Vice President of Membership with GMTA. If you are interested in learning more about our organization, please go to georgiamta.org. Today, we are joined by Deborah Ramsey Dickensheets. Hello, Deborah. Hello, baby. Let's get started. Tell me about what you do and how you got to where you are today. Well, thank you for inviting me to speak with you today. Um, I am an independent music teacher. I'm currently president of North Fulton Music Teachers Meeting, and we had the pleasure of um, hearing you speak on our show back in um, January on the Gilded China, Gilded U.S., and uh, we much enjoyed that, and it's good to see you again. My studio is here in Kemmel Farms in Alpharetta. Actually, we're right around the corner from the Steinway Gallery, so we're very fortunate to be able to do our recitals over there, and I teach over there sometimes as well. But um, I teach in a multi-keyboard studio. My actual degree is in organ performance, so uh, that's another story that I'll get to in a bit. But um, most of my teaching is piano students, and as you see, I have two grands um, here in the studio. When we first moved here in 1998, we bought a new Yamaha C2, which you see it behind me, and then uh, more recently, we inherited from my husband's mother this beautiful Steinway M. When she moved into assisted living, we got to have the piano, and my husband actually grew up with this piano, and Steinway lovingly restored it for us. So it's a 1920 piano. So we're very fortunate to have two pianos side by side, and I enjoy teaching that way, because I sit at one and the student sits at the other. Sometimes we switch around and they get the Steinway. I get the Yamaha, but um, it depends on the circumstances. But it's a great way to be able to teach. Before this, I had an upright Yamaha in the studio, which it works well for doing concerto to piano music. And I just like to teach that way. I, I'll play, and then they play, and demonstrate back and forth. Also in the studio more recently, I've acquired that you see over here, I have a Nord Stage 3 digital keyboard which I just, I love it. it <laughs> the technology has so improved in recent years. You really can't tell a whole lot of difference between when you're on the internet, between this keyboard and the fine Steinway, and actually it's in better tune <laughs> most of the time. So I enjoy teaching that way, and it allows me to teach remotely sometimes. If we travel, I sometimes teach from another location. We have um, family down in South Carolina and sometimes go down there. And it's good to be able to teach, not, not be glued to the studio all the time. Um, I also have in my studio, which you can't see around the corner, but it's on my website, alpharetapianos.com, and I have a harpsichord, um, which the students use if they play music before 1750. That's a good opportunity to them to be able to see how music sounded at that time. And I also have digital Allen organ, three keyboards and pedal board. I also have a, a couple of keyboards that um, students use for warm-up with headphones when they come in while they're waiting. I have a captive audience for practice. So that's pretty much what I do here. I'm also music director at Lutheran Church of the Ascension down in Buckhead section of Atlanta. 
Can you tell me about how you started with music? Yes, it's not not what you would think usually. I grew up in the low country of South Carolina. Up until the time I was in first grade, we lived in the town of Burton. We lived in a house on the Salt Creek down a dirt road. <laughs> but we did have a piano in the house. It was a Betsy Ross Bennett. <laughs> I actually have a student who has that same model piano day, so I can sympathize with them <laughs> for having to practice on that. But, um, you know, it was a piano there, and I wanted to play it. And, you know, I think it's important that if you have an instrument in your home, you're going to want to play it. And the better it is, the more you're going to want to play it. So I think it's important that everyone have an instrument in their home, not just just decided to take lessons and, okay, I'm going to buy this keyboard so I can start. Well, that, that's all some people can do, but you know, and that's okay, too. But it really helps to have a, some kind of instrument in the home to, to get started. So I would, you know, as at a young age, would just pick out little tunes on the piano. Um, my family were very Southern Baptists, so we were there at the church every time they were open. Sunday morning was classical music. Uh, mostly, and uh, very different from Southern Baptist Church right now. Not too many have classical music on Sunday morning. But um, Sunday night would be gospel or more turned out. Maybe in the 60s, they started using instruments in what is now called praise band kind of thing and would do that kind of music. So I was introduced to that very early age and would watch other people play the piano, play the organ, other instruments. And of course, I want to do that too. They're having fun and it's a great thing to do. So I ended up taking lessons from the church organist there, who's a really fine lady who um, studied at Judson College in Alabama. A high school until my senior year, which was kind of an awkward situation. She ended up having a divorce, so I ended up taking voice lessons, actually, my senior year in high school. But my high school had a wonderful Steinway D concert grand piano, so that, that was enough motivation in itself to do a good recital. I was playing in a Beethoven Pathetique Sonata, um, plays things like Rachmaninoff, C-sharp minor. I learned four Bach inventions and played those. So I had a senior recital in spite of not having a teacher. So at that point, it was deciding whether to major in piano or organ. That was a hard decision. I never really considered doing voice. I enjoyed voice, but I didn't want to major in that. So I, um, I was a much higher level piano player than organ player when I first started out, so I leaned towards organ. Um, also, the thing that happened with organ is, in Beaufort, South Carolina is a very cosmopolitan place to be a small town. It has is home of a Marine Corps air station and Paris Island recruit training depot. So uh, when I was in high school, it was at the height of the, the Vietnam War. And there were tons of recruits coming in, and they had chapels for each of these battalions there. There were four battalions plus a women's battalion. And anyway, to make a long story short, just before I turned 15, was offered a job playing the organ at this chapel. Okay, so a battalion is 1,000 men, 
Okay, so I was playing for um, third recruit training battalion on a Hammond organ, which my <laughs> my organ teacher and piano teacher had a Hammond organ in her home, so I was able to take lessons on that as well when I got in middle school. As long when you get tall enough to reach the pedals <laughs> on the instrument, so you, um, we were allowed to take lessons there. So I knew how to play the Hammond organ. So for the first time I went to this job, my father drove me there. In South Carolina, you can get a driver's license at the age of 15. It's a restricted license. You can't drive at night, but uh, anyway, without uh, an adult. But um, the second week, I drove myself there and did every week. So playing for these thousand men, all with their hair shaved off that had hair my length before they got there. And I would sometimes they'd take out their driver's license. This is what I looked like before I came here. Can I ask what music you played for them? Yes, they have what's called the Armed Forces Hymnal. They still have it. It has standard hymns. Onward Christian Soldiers is a favorite of them. Rise Up, O Men of God is a favorite one. They would always sing the Marine verse to the Navy hymn. So they had a lot of favorite things to do. And at Christmas time, they would, um, they have brass bands, of course, for all the graduations. So they have very good brass players. So very on, I was privileged to play organ along with the brass band there. So that was just a wonderful experience. Do you remember, uh, I mean, I assume that they paid you. Do you remember what the pay was like back then for a gig like this? Yes, I was just thinking about that the other day. I think about the, at, at this time, this was between 1970 and 73 is when I graduated in high school. And I thought it was a lot of money they were paying me. It was $15 to do a service, but I also did a choir practice with about 80 of the guys, would do pop music, like what the world needs now was love or let there be peace on earth, and mostly in unison, but they would sing in parts on the amens, on the hymns, things like that. So, but at that time, you could buy a Volkswagen, a brand new Volkswagen Beetle for $1,000. So, you know, that was a lot of money then. Um, I kind of think, okay, well, I'd like to learn how to play the organ better and learn how to play pipe organ. So went on to major in organ. But to, part of the teaching part of my degree was with the preschool department at Converse College. Wonderful, experienced teachers there. And I was assigned my own students. We'd meet private lessons with them once a week, and then we would have a class and we would discuss what would happen during the lessons and we also had a group lesson if you can imagine we had 10 acoustic upright pianos in a circle around the room and we had 10 students and five college students <laughs> teachers so each person had two students in the class and um, we would meet all together all 10 of the little kids that were beginners and it, it was just a great fun experience and we were well supervised by um, the people in the pre-college department and we'd have big recital at the end of the year in the auditorium with these students and um, it was just a great uh, experience with that so that's how I got started with teaching and I've been teaching ever since then and it's just been very very rewarding thing to do when I went to graduate school at Florida State 
later on we uh, did um, pedagogy of organ teaching. So that's, that's, I'm comfortable moving from one instrument to the other. And I ended up in doing a minor actually in harpsichord um, later in graduate school when I lived in Florida with Carol Lauenar. I'm just, I'm an older student. I'm still learning. <laughs> you know, over when we had COVID, I spent a lot of time taking online classes. And technology, as we say, has progressed so much recently. You know, we have digital is so much better than it was um, a long time ago. So I have all of these uh, diplomas that I got from Berkeley, actually, doing technology of music production, creating sounds for electric music, which is creating music from synthesizers. So I've got one doing Pro Tools Basics, so I'm writing with that. I kind of learned how to use Muse by myself, and that was kind of a fun thing to do. I actually got an award for a composition I wrote for a handbell choir during COVID. We decided that it was a good thing at my church job to do handbells so that they, people want to wear masks, and it's kind of muffled singing, and it was an issue. So... Um, we said, okay, we're gonna, we had this opportunity to purchase a set of handbells from a local school that wasn't using them anymore. So, okay, so we have um, six people that are, are well willing to play. So we had to come up with a piece that was appropriate for that, that group. So that was a fun thing to do and used it on MuseScore and because it was mixed meter and they were um, looking for that kind of a composition. <laughs> um, Ended up actually winning an award for that, so so that that was fun, and um, so there was another course in songwriting and writing the lyrics, and um, there, there's all kinds of fun things on the internet with Berkeley and the um, Coursera. If you Google that, it's it's um, a fun thing to do. So anyway, I, I just I'm an older student. I'm still learning. <laughs> Can we back up um, to the beginning of your, maybe your younger years or your years as a student? Um, do you have a favorite memory of your teachers that you can share with us? Um, I had one teacher all the way through high school from second grade on, and she would, her husband actually um, was an artist, and he, she would take us with her to Hilton Head, which we still go there today, but it was at the very beginning, and play um, recitals with it. She had some students over there, so so that was a very fun thing with with that particular teacher. The connection with art and music and and travel to a nice place. So that was a very fun experience. I have a lot of respect for my organ teacher. Larry Smith at Converse College. He later um, moved to Indiana U and was chair of the department there. Um, I'm good friends with his wife, Caroline. We were actually classmates together and uh, just had a lot of good times together. But he just was so influential with the organ. And a lot of times you don't think of the organ as being an expressive instrument, but he showed how that that could be done. And it's mostly has to do with the rhythm and the duration of notes and the distance between notes and, and that sort of thing. But that was very influential for, from him. And the teacher who really saved my technique was after I got married, 
My husband did a fellowship at Brown University in um, infectious disease, and I got the opportunity to study at New England Conservatory. We were up there for five years, and I studied from Yuko Hayashi, who was chair of the department at that time, at New England Conservatory. And she just, uh, she saved my technique, <laughs> I think. She sometimes would have a, a two-hour lesson <laughs> with her. She was just so patient and just a very giving person and would work on getting good technique. We worked a lot at, on a FISC organ, and she's very much in the instrument teaching the student, too, that how it responds to your touch for musical playing. And just she really got me excited about early music and ensemble music, which I still just love doing chamber music. Uh, one reason why I got a harpsichord, so we could play um, chamber music with different people. Um, when I lived in Florida, we had an ensemble that I regularly, well, I formed, called Alachua Consort, and uh, Anamika Pronker-Coron was um, the violinist with our group. She um, was from Amsterdam Conservatory and studied with Job Schroeder, and we also played with John Natardis oboe, and so we played a lot of trio sonatas. But anyway, the, that brings to the, the other teacher that was very, um, a memorable experience is Job came, he p taught sometimes at um, Yale, but I don't know, he's the, the um, he was the concertmaster of the Academy of Ancient Music for a while. And he, he was very um, good working with us and came over and, and visited us in Florida when I lived there with Anamika and John and myself and coached us and with the University um, of Florida Orchestra. We did um, all, some music, chamber music together right there. And uh, he, ju he just had so much insight into that period of music and technique of playing. It was amazing. He, he just transformed that whole string section of the University of Florida into a early period music, even though they were using modern instruments. Mm -hmm. So and so I had the opportunity to play harpsichord with that group and with, under his direction. So uh, that's very special memory as well. Do you remember what piece of music from your studies as a child got you hooked on music? I would say, you know, anything by Bach, you know, um, there, <laughs> I still Bach is my favorite composer. I have his boss, but well, you can't see it up there, but his bust overlooks my studio. And, you know, Bach is appropriate on any keyboard. It works on piano, it works on digital keyboard, it works on organ, harpsichord, it just, you know, it's universal. And I think it has universal appeal. What first, um, drew my attention to the music of Bach was an album, a vinyl album, which we listened to back then, called Switched on Bach. It's on a Moog synthesizer. At the time, it was everything was one note at a time, so they had to play an ensemble or multi-track. Um, but I just, just really ended up playing four inventions on my senior recital because I just, I just loved that music and listened to the those albums. What are some challenges you have encountered as a musician? Well, most recently, of course, has been the challenge of COVID and adapting to teaching online. I never had an inkling of teaching online until COVID came. So I had to kind of on the 
spot, take music technology courses online, learn how to use Zoom, and we ended up using doing all of our programs on Zoom um, this past year for North Fulton music teachers. It wasn't practical to meet in person, as you know, and, we, and it worked fine. But that was a challenge to, I spent many hours practicing before <laughs> we actually uh, had a meeting and with my students. And um, so I think that that has been a real challenge and dealing with the time latency went on teaching online too, because it, rhythm is very difficult when they're half a beat behind you <laughs> or you're half a beat behind them. So it's a lot of my turn, your turn, my turn things going on. I, I just have to, I've had to change my teaching technique um, to accommodate that. And I find that I'm, I'm even doing it some in the studio now. I'm playing more on this piano and, and demonstrating things and having them play back. But it, it is a joy to be able to play together in, in one room. <laughs> Do you think this has changed how you will approach teaching in the future? Will you continue to teach some lessons online or will you return to fully in person? I will always teach some lessons online. You know, I really like seeing, uh, in spite of the problems, I like seeing the student in their own environment and how what instrument they're using to practice on. Um, that has a lot to do with how they're playing. What do they want to practice? You know, uh, you need to have an instrument you want to practice on. Then, but I really enjoy, I, I prefer teaching in person. I think it's um, able to accomplish a lot more, but there are things you can do on the internet. And I have some students, you know, it's just, oh, it's so hard to get to your house and the parents don't, you know, are waiting all that time. Um, they're always welcome to come in my house. I've, I've been a family-oriented studio and parents, other, you know, as long as they're quiet and let me have my time with a student. You know, they've always been a, a welcome and friendly thing. And I don't get that feeling when they're on the internet. Mm -hmm. But um, but there, there are pros and cons about it. I will always, I think I will always ask for at least one lesson on the internet with every student just so I can see their setup. I see. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about teaching in general. How do you approach teaching? What is your teaching philosophy? I um, am very involved with the Piano Guild. Uh, when I lived in Florida, uh, lived in Gainesville, Florida for 10 years um, before moving here, and was very involved with Music Teachers Association there and Federation Festival. We did at the University of Florida, used the professor's um, studios for auditions. And I, one of the teacher friends suggested, well, why don't you try Piano Geld? You'll like it. And I, I tried it. And it's the whole basis of my whole studio now, using those guild guidelines. They have good um, musicianship phases, so you have a definite progression. Um, it gives you freedom. You can play whatever music you want. They encourage to play all the different periods of music. So um, that's a good thing. So I said, okay, you know, all right, you can pick it, but it's got, you need a Baroque piece, you need a classical piece, you need a romantic piece, and there are all sorts of styles in, within contemporary, and we can pick and choose 
um, between those different ones. So uh, I've had several students who have gotten high school diplomas even um, from doing that, and I think it's a great motivational tool. Here at North Fulton, music teachers, we sponsor a fall festival, so they're learning a couple of pieces for that. We do Federation Festival in February, so they're learning two pieces for that. So I'm thinking, you know, for the rest of the year, surely you can learn three more pieces that are in performance worthy um, and get your national level along with three musicianship phases so for your 10 pieces. So and I had a privilege of judging at Berry College just this past May, four days of students. And it's just a pleasure seeing how that they can be motivated throughout the whole year when you have, this is like the final exam, but <laughs> you, it's not just lesson, 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 which I, I see happen a lot. So I don't know anything about the Piano Guild. It sounds like students prepared 10 pieces total. Did I understand that correctly? That is the national level that they play. I'll, I'll, I'll have to tell you, that's a whole new podcast about that. Um, but <laughs> it is, um, has started, it's a, they run out of Austin, Texas, and the Van Cliburn competition is kind of the end of that whole thing. But it has a place for everybody. You, you can play it. Um, they have what's called a hobbyist. If you aren't able to memorize, you can play um, with the score and uh, play that way. You can play up to 20 pieces if you want to play at an international level. You, they have all the way elementary through high school, and then they have beyond that. You can play college. I could play an audition if I had the time to practice and were so motivated to do that. Um, so there, there are um, professional levels that, that, that can even do it. There's a place for everybody, um, and there's so much flexibility with, with the repertoire within a certain framework. So I'm, I'm just, my whole studio has been, ever since um, I was introduced to that back um, in the 80s in Florida, that has been the focus of my studio. Hmm, fascinating. I'll have to look into it. I think maybe you've already touched on this with the previous question, but I'll ask it anyways. What are your goals for your students? And also, what are your goals for yourself? Well, yeah, the goals for the student are to do well with these Piano Guild auditions. Not everybody is a, um, set out to be a concert pianist, but I think that they can uh, have a better appreciation appreciation to what um, they do and, and professional musicians and what it takes to do that. I find there's, they're all good students. My, one of my best students um, is now a physician. She has just finished a fellowship in um, pediatrics emergency medicine and is expecting her first child. I was um, excited to hear. There are very high professionals in other fields, but she says, oh, piano will always be a part of my life. Um, so that, you know, that makes me feel good to hear that. Goals for myself, I still, I took a break from performing publicly other than in church for a while while my daughter was young. I, she was very big on tennis and we played a lot of tennis and I became a tennis mom and um, that took a lot of time. So, but now that she's grown and out and has her own job and I'm spending more time with performing myself, I played a um, concert at Johns Creek 
United Methodist Church a couple of years ago. They have a wonderful Aeolian Skinner organ that came from Trinity Church Wall Street. It was damaged in 9-11. It's a very special instrument. It's a beautiful instrument, four keyboards. And um, I played a recital there, and some of that is up on YouTube. And I've been asked to play the same recital a year later at Spoleto Piccolo Festival in Charleston. And unfortunately, COVID canceled, and that was canceled due to COVID. And then I was asked to do it again this year. And they decided, well, they would only hold outdoor events for Spoleto this year. So I have that coming to look forward to next May, <laughs> May, early June, um, that concert. Also, I think I have an opportunity at Vizcaya in Miami, where my daughter's working, to play some there um, in the fall. Uh, they have a house organ that's a very fun, it's a, um, it's a gilded age <laughs> uh, organ, a house organ in Miami. So that would be a fun thing to do. I'm tending to work more on composition now that I have some skills with Pro Tools. It's much easier to write now than it used to be, and MuseScore even easier. But um, I have some plans to do that. I'd like to actually record some piano music. I haven't had time, I've been spending a lot of time on organ music and lately, and it'd be fun to get back to some my high repertoire that I was playing in high school even, <laughs> um, to do some of that. What advice do you have for parents who have children taking lessons? I think parents play a huge role. The um, student that I mentioned that just got her um, pediatric degree, her grandfather would come with her to her lessons and just sit through her lesson, not say anything, and he would sit with her when she practiced. So not necessarily the parents, but the grandparents could are a good um, encouragement for that. Um, and she had an uncle who also who played a high-level piano, has a nice grand piano, so they encouraged her to do that, to have an instrument in the home. I encourage people to get the best instrument you can afford because the better the instrument is, the more you're going to want to play it. I think that's important. You have to do what you can afford, but... Um, the better the instrument, and even if you don't have that great of an instrument in the house, I was talking to someone last week at, uh, or back in May at um, Berry College. She said, well, that she played at her church a lot, that they had a good piano there. She had just an average piano at home, but, you know, get out and, and use other pianos outside of your home and try out a lot of different instruments and um, see what you, what you like and what responds to you and your, your touch. Uh, the next question is, do you have any books about music or teaching that you can recommend? I would say um, more, more recently, there are a lot of good books um, that have come out. I've been using, uh, a lot of my students really like this piano safari that has come out, uh, Catherine Fisher and Julie Nair, and especially their pattern pieces um, for my beginner students that they can play something that sounds like really good music that sounds a lot harder than it is. That's one thing I've been, and recently um, there's some Canadians, Andrea and Trevor Dow, that have some fun things that you, they send out weekly emails with the, this is um, something that, uh, on composition, this one 
that breaks things down. I have more beginner and intermediate students, so I'm always looking for ways to keep it interesting because beginning can be boring at the beginning. So ways to make that interesting. And actually, more recently, I've been having, well, the same people, the Dows have this rock repertoire. So that makes, these are all five-finger um, position pieces. And see, book two is in G, and um, they have their duets with the teacher. So we have two pianos going here. And so that's a fun thing to do, and I'm using GarageBand for a metronome. Actually, they, I find that some, sometimes they think that's more fun. They, people don't like metronomes a lot sometimes when they're, they can't do it, but if I'm, we're keeping to the beat of the drummer, that makes a, a, a motivating thing for, for them. I've been using Eric Baumgartner's Jazz Basics lately a lot. They like that and doing improv through that. Um, I do a lot of hymns with my students. That's um, a part of Piano Guild, and there's actually a Federation Festival division for hymns that they're able to do. And recently, there's something called supersonicspiano.com out of um, England that I've been using that makes backing tracks and a lot of digital music. Um, for beginners, so th that's kind of a fun thing to do. So I run it through my iPad. I have a um, little speaker down here that adds that. But th that's all, that's the new thing. I've been doing guild repertoire, and uh, you know, this, th I've been doing this for ages. So a lot of the classics from, um, so. Great, thank you for that. Tell me about your time in GMTA and MTNA. How did you hear about the organization and what has being part of this organization meant to you? First became a, a member of MTNA when I was practice teaching at Converse College in the pre-college division. Everybody, they had a student chapter of MTNA there. And that's when I first got involved. And then that kind of dropped while I was in New England and studying at the conservatory and everything. I was, I was teaching some, but not so much with music teachers. But in, in Gainesville, got back in Florida, got involved with that as well as Piano Guild um, and Federation. There was a lot going on, and, and that because it's a university town. When I moved here in 98, um, I was able to... Um, joined North Fulton was a brand new group. They had just formed it like, I think they had been in existence maybe a year um, when I moved here and was able to connect with this group of people. And, and um, it's just been a wonderful thing. We're 80 people strong right now. Um, it's a large group and very active with a program every month um, with the exception of June and July. And uh, we enjoy doing the conferences. I'm be excited about being able to go to Piedmont College this year, back for the state meeting, and um, Minneapolis for National this year, and, and coming up in March. We were planning on going to Chicago a couple of years ago and got canceled by COVID, but I'm, I'm excited that we're going to be back in person this year. So there are wonderful education opportunities for everyone through MTNA, and I'm just very proud to be a member and proud to be president um, this year, so. 
Great, thank you for that. Let's end with an easy one. Do you have passions and hobbies outside of music and teaching that you can share with us? We live on the um, Big Creek Greenway and it's a wonderful uh, trail. It's, it's about seven miles right now. So I love to do biking out there and hiking every day. I'm actually pretty athletic. Uh, used to play a lot of tennis and uh, when my daughter was active with that and she actually played on her college team in, in Boston um, while she was there. So she's a, we're a high level tennis player and with the USTA and tournament playing and that sort of thing for her. And I used to play a lot of golf, but I, I am more into hiking and biking right now. For a while I was, I had owned a horse when I lived in Florida. That's another story too. So anyway, I love athletics and love doing things outdoors. My spare time. Well, thank you for sharing your life with us today, Deborah. Thank you for this conversation. And thank you for sharing your insights from your vast range of experiences with me and our listeners. This was a fun conversation. I wish you happy teaching and happy students.